I'm Bruce Worson, pastor of His Place Community Church. The following message came from a Sunday morning right here at His Place. Why are so many unbelievers nicer than believers? It's a great question, isn't it? You ever, you've obviously noticed that, right? You ever, you ever have this happen where you find out someone's an unbeliever and you find it hard to believe? You're like, why are you not a Christian? You, you act more like Jesus than a lot of the people I know who are believers. Why is that? Why is that? Good question. Glad I asked. We're going to talk about it in a little bit. Uh, but we've been talking about superficial, highly visible identity markers. You know, every group has them. It's how we know who's in and who's out. And we've seen that the granddaddy of all being circumcision began with the father of faith, Abraham. Um, I have a by the way, I guess I have to say. Um, you know, in wanting to choose an iconic picture for Abraham, I thought choosing the moment where he's asked to sacrifice his only son, it's such a picture of Jesus, and then God stops him. That's what this is, because I'm not going to show a picture of circumcision, obviously. <laughs> but apparently some people thought this was. And I, it didn't even hit me. <laughs> he's got a knife raised over his son. So just to clear things up, if there's been any misunderstanding, this is Abraham sacrificing Isaac, not circumcising Isaac. I, apparently there was some misunderstanding. <laughs> For three weeks, people have been thinking this. I'm just a little embarrassed. Okay. Circumcision was given to Abraham, the father, he's called the father of faith father of faith, and it was given to him as first, as we've seen, a sign of God's promise to save us all from sin through a son of promise that was going to come through the loins of Abraham. And then two, it was given as a seal of Abe's faith and trust in God to do it. That's it. That's what the Bible tells you, the two reasons for that. But... Soon after, that son of promise arrived and died and rose again. His apostle Paul finds himself battling fellow followers of Jesus who were teaching the brothers, well, unless you're circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved through Jesus. Which is why Paul said... Those of the circumcision group must be silenced. And so today we're going to look at Paul's attempt to silence them once and for all. Uh, we'll lead up to a little story here. One of the saddest stories, well, not tragic stories, but just pathetic stories of my life. It, was, it started out so nice on a family trip to Disneyland years, years ago when Krispy Kreme was a brand new thing. And we discovered Krispy Kreme donuts while we were at Disneyland, and I was so taken by this company that we came home and I bought several hundred shares of stock. First stock I ever bought, $18 a share. I spent all of our liquid money, I was just so convinced. We had 12,000 bucks saved up and I put it into Krispy Kreme. And it very quickly shot up to $50 a share. Do you know, because I was a lot younger then, do you know how it feels when someone transfers real money 
into your account. It's just, it's the best feeling. And so my wife, Shar, she said, sell, sell. I said, what are you, like a stock expert? Well, it turns out, yes, she's exactly like a stock expert. Um, I didn't know that. I wish I would have known that, but I didn't, and so I didn't sell. And it fell almost overnight to $13 a share. But don't worry, I sold for much less than that. <laughs> know how that feels? I'm looking at it and going, oh my goodness, that would have been almost 38000 Oh, and now it's, I've reduced what we started with. Oh, my goodness. It is so much sadder than that, actually, because I left out part. <laughs> it's the worst. Because about two days after she said that, I just couldn't get out of my head that if she was right, I would never live it down. And so without telling her, I decided I will sell it. And so I called to sell. And the gal on the other end of the phone, who can just push the button, said, would you like to sell at market? And I said, what is it? And she said, $49.75. And I said, let's let it hit 50. <laughs> Thinking, if in the morning it hadn't, I'll sell then. Uh, that was the night it fell. Oh, if only I could take back those words. Oh, it's so pain. I, I call, uh, just all I had to say was, yes, done. And I didn't. I didn't give the word. Isn't that one of the most pathetic stories you've ever heard? Now, with that in mind, now that you're feeling my pain, now, let's contrast that. Because thankfully, as Paul explains to, to that legalistic circumcision group of uh, fellow believers in Christ, our investment, our investment in Christ only deposits exceeding riches of righteousness if we'll just give the word. Just give the word. Why don't you give the word? Paul writes... What does the scripture say? And he takes us right to uh, Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. Abraham believed God and it, his belief. And by the way, Pops, Pops grabbed me between services and he gave me a little uh, uh, insight. And I said, oh, I'm using that second service. He says, notice when he says that, uh, Abraham believed God. It doesn't say Abraham believed in God. Yes, he did, but he believed God. A lot of people say, oh, I believe in God. But they don't walk by what he writes or says because they don't believe God. I kind of believe in him. But Abraham believed him. They believed God and it, his belief and trust and faithful actions was credited to him. That's a, an ancient uh, accounting term. It literally means transferred into his account. And so that was transferred into his account as righteousness. Righteousness very simply means uh, the true riches of rights. Standing in favor with God. Doesn't get any better than that. God's approval. Good job. And so Paul says, now when a man works, like for a paycheck, a regular job, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, obviously, he worked for it, but as an obligation to his boss. I'm putting it in there because I owe you that. However, you don't, 
It doesn't work that way with God. He says, to the man who does not work, you know, to try to put God in his debt, to obligate him to us, to earn his salvation, to earn his love. To the man who does not work but trusts God, who justifies the wicked. His faith, her faith, is credited as righteousness. Otherwise, the wages of sin will bury you in debt, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ. Now, why do you suppose a holy God would justify the wicked? Two reasons. One, they're the only ones who need it. And two, that's all there is. <laughs> that's, I, Paul tells us, he reminds us in chapter 3, verse 20 of Romans, there's no one righteous, not even one. There's also two reasons we try to put dad in our debt. We want to obligate him. Kind of two, two sides to the same coin. One being self, uh, uh, nope, back it up. One being self-condemning, like self-loathing, and therefore distrusting his love. It's like, I don't know how he could love someone like me. And so I got to try to obligate the old man into giving me that grace. You kind of have to earn it because who would want to give this to me? Not realizing that our self-loathing is actually very offensive. Criticism of his lack of love in our, in our eyes. Or the flip side, being overly self-loving. Self-adoring and trusting our works. You know, to earn us some bonus points. I want bonus points with dad. You know how to tell if someone's going for the bonus points? Because every, they have a tell. Everyone has the same tell. They tell. They just tell you straight out. Self-loving legalists like to list their superficial, highly visible, spiritual, self-kept scorecard. They have to because that's how they keep score. They, they, need to compare, they need to compare themselves to anyone who they're pretty sure won't measure up because then it feels like they got something to boast about. Got those bonus points. Both of those highly offensive, highly offensive to God. Paul goes on now to silence that circumcision group, quoting Psalm 32. He says, David says the same thing about God crediting us with righteousness. Says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Because David says in Psalm 32, blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven. Whose sins, they're, they're, uh, Jesus calls them debts. Whose uh, sins are covered, you know, like by a benefactor. Whose sin, where is it, covered? Whose sin the Lord will never count against him. You know why? To make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy. Us wicked redeemed, that's us. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. We're the coming ages people. Because in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. And so you see, we're not only debt free. 
We're debt-free and rich in the glory of his mercy and grace. And right now, right here, Paul goes for the slam. He goes to silence his legalistic brothers in Christ, who, as we saw a couple weeks ago, they were advocating also food restrictions and holy day mandates as well as circumcision as part of this legal transaction to complete your salvation in Christ. And so Paul just puts it to an end right here. He says, is this blessedness only uh, for the circumcised? Or also for the uncircumcised? Well, they would have said, uncircumcised. He said, well, not so fast. Now we, he's talking about himself and the circumcision group. Everyone that was proclaiming Christ were proclaiming this scripture from the Old Testament, Genesis 15, 6. Uh, we have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? So now we need just a brief little story to go back. Story of so, so sit on the edge of your seat here and listen close. The circumstances. What were the because God came and said He's crediting His faith as righteousness. What were the circumstances? Very simply, when Abraham was seventy-five, God made the promise and said, "Go move." Ten years later, at eighty-five, nothing. God shows up again and says, "You know what? You still believe. It's been ten years and you still believe. You're eighty-five. I'm gonna credit you that with righteousness." Okay. That's the circumstances under which it was credited. But now watch what he says. Was it the crediting that came, you know, after 10 years of believing? Was it after he was circumcised or before? And oh, trust me, Paul's got him on the ropes here. Because it, the crediting that came after 10 years of believing, promised at 75, credited at 85, it was not after, but 14 years before. It's another 14 years before circumcision comes in. Because old Abe is 99 when he's circumcised after a total of 24 years of faithful obedience and believing in the promised son. And how, I mean, when he was 75, you're going to have a son. Okay. 85, hey, good job believing. That's all credited as righteousness. Okay, well, I'm getting kind of old. Oh, you ain't seen nothing yet. 14 years later, God shows up again at 99. Okay, we're about to do this. It also, the circumcision that came at 99, also came after, this is really important, it came after God said to Abraham, I've already made you a father of many nations. That's done. I've already done it. You go, wait, but... The son of promise isn't born. No, but remember Ishmael was. Remember God made a promise to Ishmael that he's going to turn him into a father of many nations. So before circumcision, you want, you want to know the circumstances is this. That God already said, I already did the thing where I make you a father of many nations. That's done. And you've been walking in faith for 24 years. So he received the sign of circumcision at the age of 99 as a seal of the righteousness that he had credited to him by 24 years of faith while he was still uncircumcised. And here comes the silencing. So then, says Paul, he, Abraham, is the father 
of all who believe but have not been circumcised, mic drop. He's the father of the uncircumcised. <laughs> I mean, you'd really have to be a faithful Jew of Jesus' day to get the full impact of that. And he tells us why. In order that righteousness might be credited to them. Them who walk in faith. And, of course, of course he is also the father of the circumcised, but not only are circumcised, you know, that is called to carry the sign, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had for 24 years before he was circumcised. He says the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. You may not realize it. He had seven other sons besides uh, Isaac, the son of promise, who became the father of Israel. Paul says, not only to those who are of the law of Moses through Isaac, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. And so, conclusion, well, he is the father of us all. Morning, children of Abraham. He's our father, the father of faith. He's our example, forefather. Because it's our, it's our forefather, Abraham's faith, that first reveals that our righteousness is not our own. Nope, it's the Lord's. It's the Lord's. And so, that's wonderful because now our sins are not on us. They're on the cross. And now our duty is not to deserve him, but to depend on him and delight in him daily by faith and growth in understanding through his word because that brings appreciation, which brings love, which brings gratitude-based obedience like Father Abraham. You know, what makes anyone true children of Abraham isn't any rite or ritual, but believing and receiving and then practicing, practicing walking in the riches of the righteousness that we've received, that we've been credited through Christ. Gotta, we gotta practice walking in that stuff because I don't know, I don't know how many of you have noticed, but there is just a lot of non-believers, call them nons, a lot of nons out there who act a whole lot nicer than a lot of those who claim to believe. And so I want to answer, you know why that is? I'll give you an answer. I'll give you two, two answers, twofold answer. First, copyright infringement. That's a biggie. Copyright infringement. The label has been grossly abused. There's a lot of people call themselves Christians. I don't think they've really ever received Christ. The Christian brand doesn't guarantee fidelity. It didn't in Paul's day. It doesn't in ours. And so we have to examine the fruit. Like, you know, Paul says, you judge those inside the church. You're not, not for judging, like to condemn, not that kind of condemnation judging, but for identifying authenticity. You got to look to the fruit. I said last Sunday, Pops used to call that fruit inspection. You got to be fruit inspectors. 
Well, John the Baptist uh, warned us right from the start. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, oh, we have Abraham as our father. No, you see, he's, he's an example, not an excuse. So don't look for excuses. Look for examples, role models. The axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And you, was Jesus okay with us, you know, inspecting the fruit? <laughs> yes, he's very much okay uh, with fruit inspectors, having put it this way himself. Jesus said, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit, which makes it really simple, really, you know, is recognized by their fruit. And he says, because, come on, people do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. No, the good, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. Brings them out. Brings them out of what? Well, his heart, but... Out how? Through his mouth. Through the mouth. The mouth opening. <laughs> That's where they come out. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. So there you go. This is how we inspect the fruit. First and foremost, just look at someone's words. Look at your own words. Are their words sweet and pleasant or barbed and prickly? Because they're coming straight out of what's stored up in our heart. So that's the first thing. You, 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 you got to inspect the fruit because the label's been misused. But then secondly, it gets a little trickier. There's another reason even true believers might not seem to measure up to the nons. Notice what Jesus says. Each tree is, must be recognized by its own fruit. Okay? So it's about individual improvement, not blue ribbon perfection. Otherwise, might as well just throw in with the circumcision group. The whole point, the whole point of living, of a living relationship with the Lord versus just dead religious works is dad's unique mission in each one of us. We're brothers and sisters and dad loves each one of us individually and is at work in each one of us uniquely. Turns out the creator of the universe isn't about stamping out cookie cutter kids. Uh-uh. Just the opposite. Think about the teeth whitening strips. Everyone's into the teeth whitening strips now. It would not be fair or smart to compare, listen closely, to compare a naturally yellow-toothed user right, with a naturally white-toothed non-user and go, well, I guess they don't work because our teeth are whiter than those. That would well, be dumb. That's why we don't do that. No, what do we do? We need a before and after of the same person. That's what you see on TV all the time, right? That's common sense. You have to have a before and after. Likewise, same goes for the fruit of an authentic follower who is in the process 
of being transformed, you know, the bump, 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 listening to the Spirit from one degree of glory to another, like we've talked about, by the renewing of their mind and His Word, by storing up God's good Word in their heart. That can only be rightly compared to their own before. Because He who began a good work in you, that means salvation here. Salvation by dad's grace through our faith in the son of promise. He who began that thing will now carry it on. Carry it on because we've quoted this so many times. Uh, because by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So he'll carry that on to completion. Making us holy to completion. Gratitude based expression until the day of Christ Jesus. That's what's going on down here. That's the process. You ever see uh, the old show, Junkyard Wars? I used to love this show. They have been on forever. Junkyard Wars, because I was raised in a junkyard. I come from a junkyard. I love the show. We, we used to not call it a junkyard. We say auto recycling and dismantling center, but it was a junkyard. Uh, on the show, if you've seen it, there's a challenge uh, you know, you gotta, they're going to have some kind of a race, and you've got to build some kind of contraption, and then they give them a time limit, and now you go in this big junkyard, and you just find whatever you can use, and you put it together. And then, they ha then you know, the horn blows, and okay, and they put all the, the vehicles, the contraptions there, and uh, the people are just cheering and screaming and laughing, thrilled to just see if their thing can get across the finish line. I love that show because it speaks to a deeper truth. Jesus absolutely knows your cobbled contraption. And he's cheering. And he's cheering. And sometimes it's kind of funny, but it's thrilling. So please don't bother, don't bother comparing yourself to anyone else besides the captain of your salvation because he's thrilled and he's cheering. Yeah, comparing doesn't work. Why, why do some people seem better than others? You know, why do some outsiders seem better than us insiders? Well, because of Alan the Atheist here. Alan the Atheist is a very pleasant person. Whereas Chris, the temperamental but true believer, is mostly unpleasant. I think we've all met both of them. Yeah, mostly unpleasant. But i got to say, he is slowly improving. Slowly improving. You see, nature and nurturing produced a very pleasant disposition in old Alan. For Alan, nice is natural. But nature and nurturing, or rather <laughs> the lack thereof produced Chris's unpleasant, distrusting disposition. For Chris, negative is natural. Now understand, Alan's disposition is not Alan's gift to God. It is God's gift to Alan. What Alan does with what he's been given, like every one of us, the course he chooses, the direction he heads, the, the transforming work he may someday allow, that's his gift to dad. That's what Paul calls our living sacrifice that dad just delights in. 
of course, of course, being negative is bad, being nice is good. But beware of the trap of the naturally white smile. Because when someone sees their natural advantage as their own doing, that'll likely be their undoing. Because to that degree, they will see no reason to turn to a savior, let alone then be turned by his spirit. So in the eternal scheme, our disadvantages are likely our best advantage. In fact, some of the strongest warnings are aimed at the nicest people. Luke 12, 48, Jesus says, hey, just so you know, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who's been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Well, then I'm just kind of relieved we're such a hot mess. <laughs> naturally, a naturally pleasant demeanor is a dangerous thing, you know? Because it's so easy to let it blind us uh, to the real issue, which has nothing to do with pleasantness and everything to do with righteousness and holiness, which doesn't come from us. So let's just not be surprised in fact, to find so many naturally trusting in their own goodness folks outside the church, and more of us, what shall I say, uh, <laughs> us self-aware ornery ones inside the church. You know what the self-righteous really couldn't stand about Jesus? He attracted such awful people, and still does. And still does the teachers of the law. <laughs> the teachers of the law uh, who were Pharisees asked his disciples, why, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now Jesus heard. He said, hey, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. You know why? Well, two reasons. They're the, they're the only ones who need it. <laughs> That's all there is. I thought we covered this. There's no one righteous, not even one, except, of course, the one promised son whose smile we are told was like lightning. Talk about your pearly whites. And all it took was, was a face-to-face -face with his literally blinding <laughs> glory for the pendulum of Paul's heart to swing from, he tells us he saw himself as perfectly self-righteous, without fault, blamelessly self-righteous, to seeing himself as chief of sinners, chief of the wicked redeemed. And that's why God chose him. He knew that this is my guy. He's going to take everyone on and silence them. And he did. And he did. And that's why he's so dead set against that circumcision group with their superficial, highly visible religious ways of rendering worthless the priceless sacrifice of the son of promise. Paul learned firsthand that our Savior is really big into and really good at bringing good fruit out of formerly bad trees. So can you pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars? <laughs> Apparently, sometimes, if 
if they're willing to just make the call. Just, just say yes. Just say yes. Just give the word. That's it. Oh, because you're so going to regret that you didn't just give the word. If they're willing to receive the riches and then walk in the fruit steps of the faith of our father Abraham. Let's pray. Father God, we're overwhelmed with love for you. We, we worship you, continue to worship you now, and we put our, our full trust in your love for us. Holy Spirit, encourage us to store up your words and sweeten up our own and enlighten us, brighten us, and inspire us to faithfully follow you daily. Lord Jesus, we praise you for crediting us with your righteousness. We thank you for covering our sin, and we look to you alone to get our cobbled contraptions across the line and back home. And everybody said, Amen. Well, thanks for listening in. Why don't you join us on a Sunday morning? If you'd like more information about the church, just point your browser to hisplacechurch.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face shine upon you.